I don't know about you, but uh, at first I wasn't excited about this scriptures that I'm reading today because I've read through them so quick in my life, and you probably have too. But you know, what I do understand is that by doing this expository or this line-by-line kind of preaching that we're doing, we are now moving into the better half of what it's called to be a disciple, and that is to know the scripture. And we're going to find that out in these scriptures today. And if you'll turn with me real quick, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. You're probably already there. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say oh my and get there. Amen. But I'll tell you what, you know, it took a while and I did a lot of reading and studying commentaries and different ministers and different takes, whether it be from a Episcopal view, whether it's a charismatic, Pentecostal, word of faith. I kind of went through a whole bunch of study this week and just came to a conclusion about the way these scriptures are, are read. But if you look in the book of Acts, if you're there, and remember where did we leave off last week? Mike just said it. 14. And they continued what? With one accord, in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus, with the brothers. All right, so that's where we ended up. Now, I want you to stand with me this morning as we read the beginning scriptures that we have today. And let's stand together and read these. Get the gum out of my mouth. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in around 120 and said, Brothers, Scripture had to be fulfilled. Now y'all say that. Scripture had to be fulfilled. That's all I want you to read. You may be seated. Scripture had to be fulfilled. Now, for many years, I've always taken this set of scriptures that we've got today and have always wondered a little bit about this uh, Matthias and how he came about and all the, uh, the, the, the decisions that were made to actually you know, bring him on board. I, I was always a little confused about that. But watch this now. In those days, Peter stood up. Say stood up. Peter stood up. See, he, I wanted the scriptures coming next week when Acts chapter 2 hits and he, Peter comes out filled with the Holy Ghost and then he preached a message and 3,000 got saved. I always thought, you know, the Holy Ghost came upon him and it's exciting and all this. But wait a minute. Before this ever happens next week, Peter stands up. But Peter hadn't always stood up correctly. Peter has always kind of been that rush to a decision, hasty to speak. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll never leave you, Lord Jesus. I'll never leave you. No, Lord, you can't die. All those things he said. But for some reason here, before the Holy Spirit, the promise comes, we're caught right smack in the middle, and it says Peter stood up among the brothers. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoken beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Now, I want you to watch this now. I like this because, whoa, something happened. And um, sometimes if you're not careful, if you don't know the scriptures and you don't know what you're standing on, some of you are believing for stuff or want things to happen, but if you're not standing on the word of God, 
and standing on those scriptures, then the promises of God make no effect for you. Okay? So obviously, while they were walking with Jesus three and a half years, Peter made a lot of mistakes, and he was not fully persuaded in this whole idea of who Jesus was. But we find out here that, oh my goodness, I went back and read it in one of my most favorite in 24, and, and as we did the book of Luke, is you remember the walk to Emmaus and the two men walked with Jesus. And the Bible says after they broke bread that their eyes were what? And they had their understanding. Now, what happened also is, we let us not forget, the Bible says that he sat at the table and then he vanished, right? He, van- he disappeared. And he went to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, we find that he showed up amongst them, scared them. Oh, Jesus just popped in. He did the same thing, and the Scripture says that Jesus opened their eyes to their understanding. So now Jesus himself has appeared to those on the Emmaus and the apostles, and he's also opened their eyes to the understanding. And now we see that Peter here knows the word of God. He knows the old and knows the the sayings because now not only does he get it. Come on now, Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection. Psalms 22 talks about those very same things. Zechariah 12 the same thing. And now not only does Peter get it, he now gets it where it concerns Judas. This is so powerful because we all got our ideas about Judas. We all think, man, I'd have never done that to Jesus. I wouldn't have sold him out. But do you know that many times, people, in our lives, you're going to have a good friend or a companion or somebody close to you, and you're going to be betrayed by them. Has anybody ever been betrayed by somebody? Anybody had a friend that just ditched you, left you hanging, or told lies about you, or just for some reason decided to leave your life? Well, understand this, that he was chosen. He was chosen here. So he gets it. But the one thing about it is it says that the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. Many times we like to think us Pentecostals or us people in the New Testament, we got more Holy Spirit than they had, and we got more power, and if they'd have had what we got, well, that ain't the case. The case is the Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke through David, and David spoke by the unction of the Holy Spirit, and yet prophesied all these things. Psalms 41.9. If you want to turn there and look at it for yourself, you can. Psalms 41.9, hold your place where you are. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who I ate my bread with, has lifted his heel against me. Peter gets it, guys. He is no longer flowing in the flesh. He is now flowing by the scriptures that he knew, and he's putting the pieces together. We'll never get anywhere in life if we don't put the scriptures together in our lives and begin to understand scripture. Peter now says, oh, my goodness. I didn't get it about him dying and coming back and ascending on high. Now I get that. And not only do I get that, I remember scripture I've read in the Psalms about this guy. Now I see it. It's Judas. You notice when Judas died, no one had a big funeral for him. Nobody mourned for 21 days for him. You notice they didn't say we got to go to Judas's funeral. 
You didn't hear anybody speaking good words about him. All you hear here is that through the Holy Spirit, spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Oh my goodness, he gets it now. See, now there's a power of not only information, but revelation. This is why we're in the book of Acts. Not We've got to get the information first in order to get the revelation. I don't know about you, but you've got to read something, understand something, study it, before you've got a full revelation of it. And so he now gets a revelation. So what does it say in Psalms 55, 12 through 14? For it is not my, an enemy who approaches me, reproaches me, then I could bear it. He said, oh my goodness, you know, if it was not like an enemy, I could, I could deal with that. Nor if it was one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then man, I could just hide, the Bible says, myself from him. Huh. But in scripture it says, but it is you, a man of my equal. Check that out. I mean, you, a man of my equal, you are a co-companion with me. A companion, it says in verse 13, my companion and my familiar friend. Somebody say friend. How many friends you got on Facebook? (laughs) Go on and say something contrary to what they believe and see if they won't shoot you back a little note and say, huh? So, You know, here it is, it's talking about the scripture beforehand is already talking about these things. And so it says, he who had sweet fellowship together walked in the house of God in the throne. Gosh, people, this is so wild. We sometimes want to dismiss Judas, throw him out, but he was an apostle chosen by God. Jesus went up, got the names, brought them back down. This is his companionship. He is a man of God's equal. He's a companion and he is a friend. Jesus calls Judas a friend. And boy, this really encourages me because I got news for you. If you live long enough, you will be betrayed. And let's just go ahead and say it. Probably one out of 12 friends you got will betray you. Hmm. Yeah. Judas uh, Judas was planned by God. Now, I'm not saying that Judas, and there's nowhere in Scripture that says that Judas was called to be here just for that, but he was part of the plan by God. Okay, He was a chosen role. Many of us get saved and we get fired up for God. We become chosen people. We become in the family. But we still have a choice. Do we sell Jesus out on a daily basis or are we buying into Jesus? He had every option to do everything right. I guarantee you there was another plan if he decided to repent and not go through his plan. There would have been somebody else that would have done it. But for some reason it was in this. You remember when Jesus said in John 17, 12, he was praying. He was praying for the disciples and he was praying. And as he was praying, he said this. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them had been lost except the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Say fulfilled. As Jesus is praying the prayer, he knew who Judas was. He knew what was going to happen. And yet he said this had to happen because the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Those that don't believe in prophecies, those that don't believe in the word of God, and don't stand on the promises of God, life is going to be very rough for us. 
So in learning the book of Acts, we must learn that the apostles now have been enlightened. They are receiving revelation from the Word of God, from the scriptures that they knew, to now they know. There was no worrying about grieving or being all upset and shocked. Oh my God, can you believe what Judas did? You believe what Jesus did? You don't see a discourse of a bunch of conversations of the 11 sitting back going, let's talk about this a minute. Did y'all see that happening? Did you, did you see that coming? Come on, think about it. There's no written words that they all freaked out about it because now they have revelation of it. So Jesus is making it very clear here that I guarded them, kept them, and only one, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I want you to say this, say betrayal is a normal part of life. We got to understand that. Betrayal is a normal part of life. We should never be shocked when we've been betrayed by someone or even a family member or friends. We must take it as Jesus takes it. Man, we'd be a friend to that person. You love that person. You just stand in agreement with that person that ditches you or does you wrong or sells you out for 30 pieces of silver. Don't matter how it happens, we don't need to freak out and lose our life over someone else's bad decision. Amen. Amen? So it's going to happen. Everywhere we go, those decisions are going to be made. Now, part two of that says in verse 16, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. I like that. Because it is already written down and put in there that he was that guide. He was used for that purpose. No difference than uh, Caiaphas, uh, Herod, and all the other evil people in the Testament. They're all role players in the kingdom of God. All prophesied that things would happen and to be used by the enemy. Now the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. Understand this, true revelation comes... Through the Holy Spirit. When you're reading the scriptures and we're all trying to study and learn things, information is great, but revelation is better. Amen. See, you can only move on your revelation, not your information. If I've got a revelation that turtle pie made by Edwards is the best pie there is, you can't convince me to go buy Miss Smithfield or something else. I'm going to get my Edwards pie. I got a revelation of that. I use that in the natural because that's just the way it is. <laughs> and I can't talk Pastor Mark Eller to get Briar's ice cream when he wants Eddie's ice cream. Come on, Edie. Huh? Edie's. Edie's. Nancy Edie, Nancy Eddie, Eddie Edie. I, I can't go buy him something that he don't have a revelation of. But the same thing is with Scripture. One of the most powerful scriptures in the beginning of my walk with God when I was 30 years old beginning to take it serious was be not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know that perfect and good and acceptable will of God. That has stuck with me my whole life because do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by your mind, not by politics, not by Oprah magazine, not by psychology today, but by the word of God. See, the Word of God is what changed these apostles at this point. That's why now in between the great move and the promise coming, they're operating now in revelation. Remember in the Old Testament it said the Word of the Lord came. The Word of the Lord came too. The Word of the Lord came too. 
Even in the Old Testament, in Genesis, the Bible says the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth. There was a move, and Holy Spirit has always been working in the Old Testament and in the New. But somehow, sometimes we believe we got something more than they got, but it's all inspiration by the Holy Spirit. So in our walk today, are we being operating, are we operating by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God? That's the question. That's where we want to be. So understand that in this, God always uses words. I don't know what you're speaking today and what you believe in, but never once did these boys get all discouraged about this betrayal of an evil person that was in their midst. Remember, as we move forward and as we go in our lives and as we do for God, there will be those that will say they, 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 they're for you and then they're against you. I'll never forget somebody that, that attacked me one time from one thing I said. They were with me for years and years and years, and I said one thing that struck them wrong in Scripture, and, and they left. Ditched me. But you know what? If I talk long enough, I'm going to say something to tick somebody off. So y'all all all can get ticked off because I'm talking and y'all ain't. And y'all evaluating everything I'm saying right now. And it moves on and says, For he was numbered, accounted among us, and was allotted and obtained his share in this ministry. He didn't come out and ditch him and say that low life bum. That scum, he betrayed him. Hope he dies, goes straight to hell. No, he was telling the story, for he was numbered with us. Now, many times we have people in our lives, they're with us, they're Christians, they're in our family, they're in our midst. But we have to understand it was counted or allotted. I like to say that it was allotted or obtained that he share in the ministry. Judas was a divine purpose in, in the plan of God. And here, they're not even moved by it. I like this because, you know, we always wonder how and why could somebody be walking with Jesus three and a half years, do such a thing? Jesus answered in John 6, 70 and 71, he said, <laughs> Jesus answered them and said, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon of Scarlet. He said, one of the 12 was going to betray him. Did you notice that? He already knew this stuff. So he said, and yet one is the devil. Remember one time, it's better to be rebuked while you, while you got your mind right than to be rebuked when you've already messed up going. Remember he said to Peter, Peter, don't say that. Get behind me, Satan. I'd rather be called out for Jesus while I'm alive than to be talked about while I'm dead. Call me out, Lord. Show me where our error is. Show me, Lord, where I'm missing it. Show me, Lord, and rebuke me now. Come on, somebody say, rebuke me now. You know, it's good to be rebuked every now and then. But then we, none of us like to be rebuked. But Jesus rebuked him. In Matthew 7, 21 and 22, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name? Uh, did we not do mighty works in your name? The reason why this was so powerful was is the authorities that wanted to kill him in 24 of Luke that went after him and wanted him got somebody within the ranks 
found a weak link and said, we got the source. But that's a Judah scripture right there. That's going to be a lot of people's scripture. There's a lot of people say, yes, Lord, I love you, Lord. Yes, I did this in your name, Lord. Yes, I did that. I did this. I won souls. I'm this and I'm all that. But Jesus said, mm-mm, nope, not everybody. Only those that have a revelation and know me through my word and through the scriptures and does those things. And we're in the book of Acts, does those acts and lives that revelation. So in that, we move on to what happened to Judas. All this happened. He spoke of it. It's here. Verse 18. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all of his bowels gushed out. Now, some of the things you read, you will find that when you study different things about this story, you'll find different stories. You'll say he was hung. I've always said he was hung. But there was a couple translations that literally said that when he went to hang himself, because of his guilt and all that went on, that when he was doing that, that, ooh, he fell off or the rope broke or something and hit the ground and his intestines gusted open. I'd say that's about worse than just being hanged. Hunged. <laughs> Hanged. <laughs> he was hung. Mm -hmm. He didn't quite get to that place. But watch this. That story was known through all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language a keldama. That is the field of blood. So in this whole story, it is really strange to know that we know what happened to him. We know what happened, but that guilt was so strong. Sometimes it's not just depression that people commit suicide. It is guilt, unforgiveness, deep sorrow, all those things. We believe that without a shadow of a doubt, he felt a remorse and a guilt. Many people say that, that, you know, pretty much he busted hell wide open and went to hell because of his actions. But in some translations in Gethsemane, when he kissed Jesus, some say even that he somewhat repented there. And because of his grief, he threw the money back. He tried to get out of it. He said, look, I, I did the wrong thing. And then he went and hung himself. And that's a terrible, terrible way to go. But by this writings, before we get to these apostles moving forward, this information had to be spoken because they realize now this is all fulfilled by Scripture, right? So Peter's speaking of divine revelation. And it goes on to say in verse 24, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and there be no one to dwell in it. He gave up his apostleship. He literally gave up his apostleship in this place, and it was no longer his. He gave it up. And the next one is this, let another take his office. Ooh, wait a minute. Well, I used to think, Peter, he's jumping strong. He's jumping bad. He, he's making quick decisions. You know, he's going to get up there, and they're going to pick somebody to be an apostle without God being involved in it. And, and next thing you know, I'm thinking he's all in his head doing this. But no, the Scripture says, what does it say? That another may take his office. 
So this is powerful. Psalms 109.8 says it this way. May his days be few. May another take his office. His apostleship. He lost it. You ever heard of somebody just losing their salvation? They just quit. They abandon their ministry. They just give up. I had a minister friend one time that told me that a pastor friend of his retired from ministry and they asked him how his retirement was going. He said, yeah, I was getting tired of that church stuff. I got to where I didn't even believe anything I was preaching anymore. I don't know if I believe in Jesus the way the Bible says it or not. Well, if you read the scriptures, follow the prophecies, understand, open your eyes to understanding and it all comes to us, praise God. But when you get burnout, sometimes things get hazy in life. Sometimes we miss it, just like Peter did, the apostles did. After his death, they run off all scattered. Everybody was all in disarray. They weren't thinking about Scripture. They were thinking about emotion, and they were all freaked out and don't know what was going on until, praise God, he came back. Na-na-na-boo-boo, here I am. And then the Bible says that he began to speak to them in Scriptures of Moses and all the prophets. And this is how the understanding and the enlightenment came. Jesus didn't just come back and say, boys, I told you this and I told you that, I told you this. No, he came back and I told you this scripture, I told you that scripture, I told you this was in the word, I taught it to you from Moses on, and then they got it. Come on, somebody, say, I want to get it. Mm, I want to get it. So Peter knew the old. He had a revelation now. This is even before, and I want you to catch this, this is even before the Holy Spirit has come to hit in Pentecost. We ain't got there yet, but he's got a revelation. Verse 21, so one of the men who accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. This is now they got to choose. They've got to figure out. Now, Peter's already read Scripture. He knows how this works. It's got to be someone who is, was in the ministry with us, that went in and out among us. they got to pick one. Amen? From the beginning of the baptism of John until the day he was taken up, the ascension, and one of these men must become with us a witness of his resurrection. So now he's laying out a plan. This is how we're going to do this thing. This is how we're going to find the right people. First, this is the prerequisite of the ones they've got to have. Now, how many is with them right now in the upper room? Thank you. 120? So obviously, they're in that room. Two people are in that room right now. They could have picked 50 and chose. They, but this is how it works. So eyewitnesses. And remember, Jesus sent out what? Two by two. Remember he sent 70 out? You remember that? Not only do we have to understand that the writings here is not always just the apostles of the 12 that was with Jesus, but Jesus was with a lot of people at the same time that were right there and doing the same thing. So from the baptism of John, I like that. Somebody that witnessed that baptism the same way the apostles did. Someone that heard that voice say, in whom I'm well pleased, this is Jesus. The one that kicked off his ministry in the water, in the baptism of the Spirit, and he began to operate in that. So, 23, and they put forward two. Somebody say two. It's funny, out of the 120, somehow they put forth two. Don't really know exactly how they got together with that. It's not really clear. It doesn't really matter. The point is this. Out of the two, Joseph, 
called Barsabbas, who was also called Justus, and Matthias. Or Matthias. Some say Matthias. Some say Matthias. I like Matthias. Some translations say Matthias. I like Matthias. So they picked two. And as those two, what did they do next? They got two, and I like verse 24. What did they do? Verse 24? Ha! Ah, Lord have mercy. Now that seems spiritual in Scripture, right? Okay, you got two. Now what are you going to do? Who is it going to be? Me or you? One or two? When it gets down to any election, you end up with two candidates at the very end. This is what happens here. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen. Now, this is pretty cool. That's their prayer. So what do they do? They pray and say, God, we got two here. We believe that these two are one of them is the one, but we don't know which one it is. Amen? So because they know the scriptures and they know how this thing works, then it gets to a place now where they got to do something. We've got to do something to take the place in this ministry or this apostleship from which Judas turned back, verse 25. Now we got two, so how are we going to do this? Well, the Bible says they cast lots. I do have a coin. Casting lots sometimes in the Old Testament was done in several different ways, but it could be just as simple as this. Okay, we got it now. Dan, you're going to be the next apostle, or Cliff, you're going to be the next apostle. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe God, and we're going to flip a coin. Heads is Dan. Tails is Cliff. Stuck, stuck to my hand. Tails, it is. Cliff! Is the next apostle. Now, in this discourse, it seems kind of funny, but casting lots was a kind of a thing that they did in the Old Testament. You remember that many times that's how it worked. But they believed it and knew it through what? How did they back this up? This wasn't just a random thought and just let's just cast lots. They prayed and they had scripture to back it up. If you want to turn there, turn to Proverbs 16:33. Proverbs 16.33 is kind of that kicker because I've never really studied it out until this past week to really understand these things. I always thought casting lots was kind of a weird thing to do. But even the most weirdest is that you remember around the throne when they was, got Jesus' stuff, the soldiers casted lots for his garments. That's kind of weird. I don't think that was of God, but they did what they thought, and it was a normal practice. So, notice this. <laughs> the lot is cast upon the lap. Now, when I read that part is, and the same thing with John MacArthur, I was listening to some of his stuff, and he said the same thing. That sounds kind of random, doesn't it? That, that, that if you just lot cast upon the lap, that's just the way it is. But the scripture says, literally, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now, I like this one, because this ain't a chance, this ain't a gamble, Y'all saw the lottery get up to so many hundreds of millions of dollars, and I always laugh. Cliff and I laugh about this because the more it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, the less chance you get to win. And everybody piles on and gets a lottery ticket. It's up to 500 million. It's under six. Every time it goes up, your odds go. Catch that thing when it's only $800,000. You might get a chance. (laughs) 
And then the Bible says this. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven. But the way I believe it is, there was two, two signs. I don't know, we may have done that before, you know. I think they kind of did it like this. There was one translation that said they put names on rocks and they'd stir them up in a, in a bucket and whatever came out, that name was on that rock, was picked. But I like to do it the old way, the stick, you know. The, 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 the largest stick wins. Oh, straw. Oh, you win, Dan. That's it. You get to clean the church all this week and, uh, and clean everything and... But watch this. There was no more casting of lots mentioned after the book of Acts in Scripture. This is the last time it was mentioned and the last time it was used in that way. So that's pretty cool. And the other thing is, I like this. Not only that was, but notice, there was no protest from Basabas or Sabbath, or Sabbath, or Justice. He didn't protest and say, I want a recount. I don't think that was fair. Through this whole thing, 120 people came together. They got together, prayed, picked out two, cast a lot that they believe whatever stick gets pulled, God's in that stick. And that's how much faith they put into it too. And everybody believed the same thing. You didn't even get a recount or nothing. Nobody called a recount. No one protested. Just as he didn't say anything about, oh, oh, man, it didn't work out. Man, I wanted to be one. You never see any complaining or murmur. You didn't hear anything of 120. I'm just telling you what a miracle this is. You get 120 people together to agree on two people, and then you, get, you vote on one and you get him. You ain't got somebody complaining. Come on now. God was in it, right? Okay, God was in it. Now, this is the fun part because I, I, I didn't know if I wanted to venture out and close it this way, but we see nothing else of Matthias in Scripture. He's not mentioned at all. He's not even in there. But there's some Nisi's writings that are out and old historical writings that are out, and I found this, and I thought it was pretty cool. The Bible doesn't say, but do you know there's a whole bunch more writings out there about those days than what's in our Bible? Do you know that archaeologists are studying and finding things to back up the Bible? And not only that, they're finding other writings that back up the writings we have. Do you know there's a lot of work involved in that? Well, I believe this one is probably the best one there is. It says that there's a, a, a writing that shows that Matthias preached the gospel in Judea. And he went on to another area called Colchis which is the modern-day Georgia uh, of, like, Russia. And the, and the writings say that he preached such a powerful message that everybody in that area got together and stoned him. And he died a martyr's death. And if you go to Russia today, you can go to that very place, Kokis, and there is an old Roman fortress there and near the fortress, there is a marker there with Matthias' name on it. And most people believe that that's where he was buried, and you can find that today. So whenever y'all get to Russia over there, y'all go look that up and see if that's true. Uh, but I believe that that is something very powerful that we get to this part.
The reason why I wanted to say it this way is because I'm an old Pentecostal in a way. I really believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I believe in God moving and flowing. But do you realize even in your most deepest, darkest trial in your life, the Holy Spirit is trying to work through you and can work through you if you stay in the confines of Scripture? And these guys did not get the promise yet, but during that promise, they had an election per se. They voted in a new apostle. And they had no backlash whatsoever, no complaints, no arguments. But they were all led by Scripture. Church, no matter what you feel sometimes, sometimes you pray, you don't feel nothing. Sometimes us... Pentecostals, I want to feel something. I want. I need to move. I need to get some shakes. I need that hair to rise up on my back. I need that. But in this, I understand that if we just stand on the scriptures and we understand that Matthias was picked out, replaced, and it was prophesied through scripture and that these guys now had a revelation of scripture that they were walking with and were oblivious to for so long. But I firmly believe that because Jesus came back in those 40 days, he taught not only the ones on the road to Emmaus, but also when he came back to Jerusalem, and the Bible says he said there that he opened their eyes to the scriptures. So you're saying, Pastor, so what do we get out of this? What do we get out of this set of scriptures? Scripture. Don't let anybody fool you. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is eat up with prophecies about Jesus. It's eat up with prophecies about his birth, his death, his burial, his ascension, and his return in Jesus' name. And I got news for you. It's going to get rough out there. People are going to betray you. Things are going to happen in your life. But if you'll stay firm and stand on the Word and stay in Scripture and keep grounded on it, Stay grounded on the Word. Don't be moved by what's going on around you. Stand on the Scripture. It's sad, but the reason why we're doing it this way is because we're going line by line, verse by verse, through the book of Acts because we want to make sure we get the Scriptures right. Passion is great. Charisma is great. All that's good, and I like it. I love it, and it'll happen. It's going to happen in our lives. We're going to have those moments. We're going to get now into the acts of the apostles by the Holy Spirit being used to do great and mighty things. However, you will never do great and mighty things outside the confines of Scripture. And we Christians in America, we love our New Testament, but we need to make sure we stay grounded in the Old Testament because everything that's prophesied there verifies in the New Testament. Jesus quoted the old. But I'm encouraging us today, before we get into the powers and the acts and the move of God, stay in the Word of God. Amen. Stay in it, because Peter now became a man of revelation. Before he ever preached that 3,000, he had to do some stuff. And he did it because of revelation of the Scripture. He did it because he stood on the Word. He got his eyes open to the things of God. And now Jesus and the stories that he told was not just stories, but they were real life, prophesied in the old. And we got to stand on it. Amen? 
So as tragic as it may seem, and I got the one with the suicide, praise God, the bottom line is that he had a choice to do what he wanted to do, and he did it, and it all worked out to the plan of God. No matter how many no's you get in life, you stand on the word of God. No matter how much pain and suffering you go through, you stand on the word of God. No matter how much loss you have, you stand on the word of God. Because the word of God is true, and it's in that revelation that we live. Not information, but the revelation. Stand to your feet this morning.